Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Hello, I'm Kel Richards. Well, tonight, Thursday night, we wrap up a little three-part series we've been running called Unbelief Unmasked. Tuesday night, we looked at The Atheist. Last night, we looked at um, The Materialist. And tonight, we look at a bloke I'm calling The Skeptic. The name's not exactly right, but it will have to do. If you uh, missed out on the first two parts of the program, stay with us. Tonight's program will make sense anyway. And you can catch up on the other two on the website, www.christianityworks.com. Go there and you can read the scripts for last night's program and the night before. You can even listen to them if you want to. If you'd like to hear me say it all rather than read it for yourself, uh, there's audio streaming on the web, audio on demand, at that website, www.christianityworks.com. Now, Unbelief Unmasked, Part 3. Thanks for joining us. Nice to have your company. Tonight, as I said, the third in the three-part series, Unbelief Unmasked. Tuesday night, The Atheist. Last night, The Materialist. Tonight, we look at The Skeptic. This is one occasion where I have to admit that the label I'm using is not, strictly speaking, correct. Strictly speaking, a skeptic is one who searches for answers, asks questions, and listens to responses. The bloke I think I'm really wanting to get a handle on tonight should probably, more properly, be called a cynic one who just flat out denies everything. Anyway, look, I'm going to stick to the label sceptic because in conversation, in the media, sceptic is usually employed to mean a closed-minded cynic. The person I'm thinking about is the one who wants to assume that whatever they're told is wrong, that the old stories are myths, not history, that you can't be sure about anything anyway. That's the person I'm calling for the purposes of this program, the sceptic. This person is well represented in Australia. There are Aussies like this. It's not that they're hardcore atheists, like Peter Singer, the bloke I talked about on Tuesday, nor are they necessarily really seriously committed materialists, the group I talked about last night, but rather they think certainty is uncertain, and you might as well shrug your shoulders because it all seems unlikely anyway. Many people in the media are like this. You know, they distrust politicians, they're hardened to the tragedies of life by being exposed to mangled bodies in car wrecks and blood-stained crime scenes, and they end up very cynical, or to use the label I'm using tonight as hard-nosed sceptics. Some of these people are agnostics, but many of them might admit that in all probability the world looks designed, so there's most likely a god behind it all somewhere, somehow, but they remain sceptics. When they look at what Christians say about God, about Jesus, about the Bible, they just sneer, oh sure, tell me another. The idea that God could be interested in this world, they think is a bit silly. The idea that God could take an interest in individual human lives in this world, they think is a real hoot. They're likely to reject the idea that the Bible is a message from God, or even that the Bible is reliable history. They're likely to think no miracles have ever happened, and that Jesus was no one special, if, that is, he ever did exist 2,000 years ago. Some sceptics turn up in theological discussions. When they do, they're called liberal theologians or theological liberals. They insist that the New Testament was written so long after the time of Jesus, it contains mainly myths, that Jesus never physically came back from the dead, that there are no eternal truths, but rather that what we believe has to change from time to time. Now, you can see what I mean, can't you, by this sort of scepticism. So then, I've nailed who these people are. What do we say to them? What do we say to such people? What I say is this. Your God is too small. Your failure is not the way you think about the Bible. 
or about miracles, or even about Jesus, your failure is the way you think about God. You have a childish or incompetent understanding of God, and that is what undermines or poisons the rest of your thinking. I've heard this sort of sceptic sneer at the Bible's idea of God as a beard in the sky, an old grandfather figure. Now that is not, of course, the biblical idea of God at all. But they think it is, because in their lazy scepticism they've never checked it out. The result is, their idea of God is too small. Their thinking is too small. The cure is to look seriously at this very notion of what God must mean, and then to look seriously at how the Bible shows us God. Last night I showed the evidence for there being a mind behind the universe. The evidence of the fabulous information-based creation around us is that the Creator God, the mind behind the universe, the big brain behind the Big Bang, must be personal, powerful, loving and caring. Personal, because design, intention, information and planning, all the things we can see in the universe, can only come from a person, not from an impersonal force, like electricity. Powerful because vast intellectual as well as physical power clearly manifests itself in the created universe. Loving and caring because only a mighty being who looked outward in love could have provided this beautiful, abundant, nurturing universe that supports human life. Well now, the problem with sceptics is that their God is too small. In fact, to be honest, I sometimes find it hard to follow their logic. They seem to say, yes, the universe looks designed, so there must be a designer, a creator behind it all. And then they say, any God who can make this universe will be quite incapable of communicating with us reliably and would not be interested in doing so anyway. Well, that's just illogical. To the sceptic, I say, the small God of your imagination might not be interested in the relational beings he has made, but the real, vast, creative God would have sympathies and concerns and cares as big as his interests, as big as the universe he made, and would therefore be interested in us. Your small god might make the universe and then fall asleep, but the real vast intellect behind such a majestic creation could never lose interest in any part of it, including us. The Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies display his marvellous craftsmanship. The part of the Bible that tells me that is Psalm 19, sentence 2. Such a God is not a set-and-forget God, and this is clearly not a set-and-forget world. To the sceptic I say, the small God of your imagination might be quite unable to communicate to relational thinking beings that he has made, such as us. But the real creator God is so vast, so huge, in power, interest, sympathy and sheer inventiveness that he'll have no difficulty at all in conveying any message to us he wanted us to receive, and in doing so in exactly the way he wished. He would, for instance, be able to control the production of a book over many centuries, working inside the minds of the people who wrote it and compiled it and copied it and protected it, so that in the end it would be his book, his message to his people. Now, there's lots of evidence for this, and I, I, I just don't have time tonight to repeat it all. I've put that evidence in two different books I've written. One of them is a book called Journey Towards God. The other is a book called Jesus on Trial. Either of those books has got the information saying this is reliable stuff. The facts we have back up the claim that I'm making at this point. Either Journey Towards God or Jesus on Trial. If you want to check the titles of those two books, go to the website, christianityworks.com. Look at the script of tonight's program. 
You'll find the titles of the books there in the script. The God who creates and controls through information is a communicating God, an informative God, whose heart is going to be as big as the sweep of his powers. He's quite capable of starting with a man, making that man first a family and then a tribe and then a nation, and through that nation bringing his plans to perfect fruition. That's exactly what he planned and promised to do. God said to Abraham, I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Those words come from Genesis chapter 12 verses 2 and 3. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. That was the plan from the heart and mind of the Creator God. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And that plan unfolded as it was meant to, step by step, until it reached its mind-blowing climax in the arrival of God himself on this small planet. To the sceptic I say, the small God of your imagination might never take such a bold, daring, unpredictable step, but the real, vast, loving, caring, creator God of the universe can do exactly that. And did. It's entirely in character for him to do so. And this person through whom he entered the world is, of course, Jesus Christ, the whole of God focused in and through one man. This is the one who is called God the Son, who came to be called the Son of God. The Bible says, this is how the plan unfolded. Quote, Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. But now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. The part of the Bible that tells me that is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Now, at this point, the skeptic just says, Oh, I'm open-minded about that. But I respond by saying, The reason for having an open mind is the same as the reason for having an open mouth, in order to close it on something solid. So recognize that your doctrine of God is a failure, that your God is too small. Look at the vast reality and be honest enough to lay aside all your cynicism and say, I guess it's all possible after all, and it looks like it really happened. The information that clearly controls the universe is telling us to seek and search and knock and ask until we find God. And the information source the Creator God has provided, the Bible, tells us that we can find a personal positive link with the living God through Jesus Christ. So give up your small ideas of God. Start looking at how big the reality really is. Discover the personal relevance of that vast reality for your life. Well now, the uh, <coughs> the two books that I mentioned on tonight's program, both of them books that I've written over time. There are other books you can look at as well, but my two books, which deal with the evidence for this kind of thing, uh, that should answer the question that the sceptic has if the sceptic is interested in questions. It is not just being glib and closed-minded. Uh, the two books, one is called Journey Towards God, the other is called Jesus on Trial. They're available at Christian bookshops. Here's our thought for the night. From Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. But now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. Until tomorrow night at this time, thanks for your company. I'm Kel Richards. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.